Welcome everyone to another edition of Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast, where we seek to provide you the tools to preserve and promote college radio. My name is Shane Garcia, and I am joined today by not Doc Rock, by the one and only Mama Rock herself, Judy Antonin. Mama, this is a first for Scholastic Transmission. By first, you mean female? Yeah, that is true. This is the first time that we're having somebody on who is female. But not only that, this is the first time that I am sitting down one-on-one with somebody that isn't exactly Doc. We've had guests on, but this is the first time that I'm bringing in somebody else to solely talk to. And what better person to sit down with than the person who is really in charge of the Doc, Mama Rock. And when Doc and I had first started this venture... We had both said that it is priority to have Mama on the podcast to talk about her time in college radio. Not only that, but what it's been like seeing the doc do his thing from a different perspective. So I'm very excited to sit down here and talk to you today. I'm ready for this. This is the first time that I'm really sitting down with you one-on-one to talk about what you have done in college radio. I obviously know what you've done, but I've never heard you tell stories about what it has been like to actually be that driving force behind the Oldies But Goodies show, in addition to being such a guiding force for the college radio station over the years? Well, I didn't drop in to the playroom sessions very often, but I think in the very beginning, I not that I wasn't interested, but this was something that he really, really enjoyed doing. And so I guess maybe two or three years in the beginning when students helped him um, with the board, Um, I never thought that I would get involved, and involved I got. I want to go back a couple years, even before that, and ask you what your reaction was when you found out that Doc was going to advise the campus radio station. Well, I had known him long enough to know that he enjoyed being on the microphone. In fact, he had told me his fantasy one time is to announce a baseball game, or in fact, in our hometown, maybe he could be on the local radio station and do something in the sports world. So um, I wasn't really shocked by it, but I'm never shocked by what he does anyway. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, that's a good thing. (laughs) I know he is prone, as he tells me, to ending up in the shed if he does something bad. So True. True. The garage got a little little messy, so we used the shed. (laughs) So from an outside perspective of monitoring and watching what your husband has done for so long, How would you describe his advisorship during his early days at the radio station? Um, A learning, I think it was a a learning experience um, because he was with college kids at the time, you know, um, teaching, I think it was at the time. He wasn't into advisement at that time. I think he felt comfortable with it, but there's so many other business matters and shall I say political matters that, you know, that he encountered, I think was, a learning experience for him, you know, step by step. Okay, I did it this way the last time, so let's see if it works this time. You just never know what's going to be coming around the corner and what you can learn from it and how you can adapt from that. That's right. Right. So how did you manage to get involved in college radio? How did you get drug into this? Well, again, I think he, two or three years he had students. And the one, one of the students complained to me one time when the other, the other DJs are on, their cuts aren't two minutes, 40 seconds. He stops at every song. We never even do back-to-back songs. Occasionally we do 
because maybe they're related or maybe it's because of their two singers singing the same song and one covers one and one covers the other. So we've done it that way. But otherwise it, it's a busy, it's a busy job because they're used to just sitting back for 15 minutes and listening to their music. And another thing, they don't know the ending of the songs. Sometimes it just sort of stops. And I know the songs now that I can do it, but I really enjoyed the time alone at home when he was on the air, I would listen to it once in a while. But as a teacher, I have a lot of work to do on the weekends. And it just was a great time. No housework, no doc around. And I could just get almost all of my weekend work done during that three hour period. So I just thought that was kind of cool. Until they, he just ran out of DJs who would help him. Again, it was three hours, not a two hour slot that a lot of them were used to. And again, the music is, you know, less than three minutes long. So um, they, you know, worked a little harder than I think they do on their own show. What was that experience like for you getting into the radio studio? Well, I mean, I had seen the show. Our children had been there, but I never looked at the board. You know, I didn't really care to look at the board. Why? And in fact, I think in the beginning, I may have to ask him, I think, the engineer was in one place and the DJ doc was in another, not really a room. I think there was a window. So it's no, it wasn't as much fun because you're not interacting, you know, with doc while you're doing it. It was just a job. You just sat there for three hours, babysitting the board, sort of, but you're not babysitting the board. You're just working the board, but you're all alone. And I certainly didn't really want to learn it at the time, you know, because once you learn something, then you're responsible, you know, and now you know how to do it. So I, I never really showed him any interest, you know, in, in he's never asked me. So it seems like things are going pretty well with the students until he just ran out of students, I guess. How did that experience evolve for you then afterwards once you got in there? Oh, I had fun. And, and we played, you know, I kept saying, you know, keep that up. You won't get your mic back. <laughs> you know, I found I did have some kind of um, not influence. I just I had some power. But, and then I got more comfortable with introducing a song or having like, I have a half hour special on the last Saturday of the month. And I try to choose some kind of theme for that 30 minutes or sometimes 45 minutes, about a dozen songs. Now who has more influence on the show itself, you or Doc? No, he does. It's his show. <laughs> I'm just there. <laughs> no, I, I think of it as his show. Yeah, even though, you know, they know us as Doc and Mama because it started out as Doc's show. I still think it, it should be his show. In many of the show promos that I remember putting together, or even listening to nowadays, I would always enjoy listening to Doc saying, oh, since September of 1979. Did you ever think that you would be on the air for over 40 years doing this radio show? Never. Never. I figured one of us would get tired of it. Or, you know, health-wise, I, I have taken a break. He has taken a break. I ran the show myself uh, when he went to conferences. He would be gone for a weekend and I'd have a friend answer the phones. In fact, one of my friends one time said, I can't believe you know all this music. She never knew I had a playlist in front of me. You know, but she's opposite me and just, you know, she just didn't know that I'm, I, I had planned the show and of course I had the playlist in front of me because she just didn't know the ins and outs, I guess, of, of the show. So she would answer the answer the phone when I'd have trivia questions. 
Now, speaking of trivia, that is a very integral part of your show. You have trivia, and if people call in, if they answer the trivia questions correctly, they can win a prize or a giveaway item that you and Doc put out there every week for the listeners. That's right. How much fun has that been connecting with the listeners as they call in and guess the right and the wrong answer or maybe even be a little bit of a pest as well? Well, he he's good at that because he'll say something like, oh, most, you know, so this person knows I must be within the same, you know, year or something. If, if like what year did so-and-so and maybe they were off by two years. So he would say something because some of his, you know, a lot of his questions aren't musical. You know, there might be uh, any kind, like they say, it's called trivia. It could be really anything. I have my own questions. It used to be called the kids question at 5.30 for kids 12 and under. But then the 12 and under started to get older. So then we just changed it to, I gave away the ice cream one time. It was something else beside ice cream. I can't remember what it was, but he usually finds um, different underwriters, if you want to call them or sponsors, and he would get maybe sometimes new stuff. And then at five o'clock and six o'clock, I would give away my prize, which he never gives during his part. So this, there's only two times. And the kids, of course, usually got candy. But, right, candy at 5.30 was the kids' question. How integral has that audience interaction been over the years for you both? Um, we, you get to know them. In fact, we have personally met maybe three. I know one time, I guess we had a bet or something, but we ended up delivering pizza to one of our listeners. Uh, another time there was a health issue in one of the families and we had got to know them since the very beginning. And so we visited um, that person uh, at home. Another time I had worked for the intermediate unit and there was a man there that worked there who passed away and I also knew one of our blind listeners. Um, in fact, we had two. We had two blind listeners. One listened to us for a very long time. In fact, I worked with him when I um, did reading the newspaper to the blind um, at the blind center. Um, another guy and I would just go back and forth and, and read articles from the newspaper for, for blind people. But we also found people in rest homes hooked into it, and we would read the newspaper. So... I forget how I got to that, but uh, I did get to know um, a lot of the listeners that way too, just through outside stuff. And your audience has certainly been evolving over time because you've been on the air for over 40 years. That's a long time. But I do have to give a shout out to our local newspaper company, LNP Lancaster Newspapers, for writing an article on both you and Doc and your radio show and the influence that it's had on the community throughout these past 40 years. They had featured you both in January of this past year, and that newspaper article did wonders for your radio show because you were able to connect with old listeners from the past, and you were able to make some new listeners as well. Well, people came back to say, we didn't know you were still on. If I was well, did you turn the radio on? You know, um, I think they would. a lot of them would lose us in May and maybe not remember sometime in September to turn us back on, and then after a while they just started forgot us. But then there were other ones who just happened to be turning the dial. And all of a sudden, after five years, I say, darn, I used to listen to them. In fact, some of our really, really uh, initially, we had maybe 20 listeners that we knew every week, but then we sort of lost them. We didn't know what happened to them. And then some of them did return because he, he knows voices very well. 
and someone will call in and he'll say, ah, Charlie, I haven't heard from you for a long time. And then on the air, he'd say, you know, we just heard from one of our old time listeners or veteran listeners. You hate to call them old listeners. I wouldn't like to be called an old listener. So, uh, but yeah, you know, we still have some that are still with us for, you know, since, I don't know. Well, one of the girls that called in for the 12 and under now has three children. So that happens. Some fun part when you said about the radio station and the community, um, we had a restaurant kitchen who called in one time and they had an old portable radio. And unless they hung the wire over one of the pipes in the kitchen, they couldn't get us. We also heard from the post office in Lancaster City that they listened to us. Um, they had McCaskey kids started to listen. I think it was on Wednesday night, was it? Or was that metal? Metal was Wednesday and Sunday. And you, we had a, a lot of students from, from the city listen to some of our DJs because it was, I guess it was hip hop probably. Speaking of that community connection, how valuable has it been for you to branch out and connect with some of these local businesses through your giveaways and that you do on the show? Well, they just think it's a, it's, it's, it's a no brainer. Their ad is on at least three times an hour and we've connected with them and they can meet some of our listeners and some of our listeners sometimes stockpile stuff and expect maybe to go in and get five candy bars. But um, we try to discourage that, you know, for them, for them to do that because you know, that's, that's not the whole thing. We just want them to go into a store, go into a restaurant and maybe buy something else and not just take the free thing. But um, it, you know, we've never had a problem with, with advertising. Now, sometimes I think there was one one time that um, no, nobody went to. So that we probably chose the wrong one at the time. But that just goes to show it's just all trial and error. That's right. That's right. Now, speaking of something that is very much trial and error, Doc and I commonly talk about how important it is for the station to create a culture that anyone can be welcomed into and feel like they can belong. What was it like watching Doc craft this culture that has been hailed and respected by so many of the students that came through WIXQ? And what was your influence in helping Doc craft that culture throughout his four decades of advisement? I'm not sure if I did. I know I, there's a couple of stories I have about some of the students coming into our home that brought a comfort feeling to them, of course, because they're living in a dorm or living in their own apartment. And at I think let's call it the playroom where they come in and have lunch. It seems like when they enter that room, that, you know, they relax, you know, whether or not they talk to a lot of other people, but when they, the times that I've been there, some just sit and listen and don't um, interact a lot. And they, uh, as I said, they just sit and listen. Other ones you can see, it takes them a little while to warm up, but I think that, I don't know if it's a community feeling, but I feel there's, I can't even say threat, but it's just a relaxing atmosphere. And if, if after a while when people are around, they may start uh, a conversation or they may join in a conversation that's going on at the time. But I've seen a lot of the, a lot of the students grow up a little bit, mature, feel more comfortable with themselves and interacting with others. But coming home, um, it used to be that the executive people and the station council every week would it, it varied back and forth, but 
Um, one would get more food, one would get pizza, the others get cookies. But uh, we bought a television from uh, a local store and one of our former students worked there. So I said to him, if I give you 50 bucks, would you come in and install that TV for us? And he said, sure. So he came with a friend and they came to deliver the TV and he opened the door and he goes, oh my gosh, I'm home. You know, it just, that whole feeling that he remembers when he was on executive council for two years, he felt comfortable. And I think um, that's one of, one of the things that the students talk about a lot of, of feeling like family or having a community um, feeling with WIXQ and everybody there. Why did you and Doc decide that it was necessary to open up your home to the executive and station council members? Um, it just seemed natural. You know, we weren't worried about anything or anybody coming in that wasn't invited. It was nothing like that. It was, it was just his way of, of advising. And it is needed to, to touch base, especially with the executive council. If there's issues coming up, there's no reason to involve the entire 80 people during a regular, you know, Sunday night meeting, but to have the, the seven or eight people and discuss upcoming projects or maybe difficulties that they have. And the station council um, was more, I guess it was 12 to 15, maybe 12 to 15 people would come in and they all got along and, you know, fine, but we didn't really come up with a lot of issues. Again, there was a lot of input from them, but the executive council really was more important. The station council was, was very important. We had to make sure they were involved because the executive cannot run everything. You need volunteers, you need kids to help out when you have a back to school night or whatever they call the, the, when students come to look at the university, we would have something there for them to look at the radio station and learn about the radio station, the student newspaper, that kind of thing. But you know, we, I, I just thought it was a natural thing to have the kids here for meetings. I don't know if they never did before, but it started, I'd say pretty early after he started advisement that um, being their advisor that they came here. Now, I've heard some stories uh, throughout my time of knowing both you and Doc that you at times could be a shoulder to lean on or somebody to talk to for some of the students. Why do you believe that was? I found that mostly with with uh, the, the girls. I know that and, and a lot of time they wouldn't share with me what was on their mind, you know, but they'd be hanging back after people started to leave the meeting. They'd be in the kitchen or something and we would just talk about things and, and it wasn't always, you know, a personal problem. It was just somebody that just wanted to hang back just a little bit and hang around and maybe help clean up or that kind of stuff. But yeah, some of them, I got close to, I'd, you know, there's, there's at least three or four that I can think of that I'm still pretty close to. How important was that connection for you? As a teacher, I found that I had, I never, I did teach sixth graders, but I didn't teach all of the sixth grade homerooms or anything. But I got to know students in our building and once in a while I'd have students drop by to ask if I needed anything. So I guess sometimes people felt comfortable around me. I don't know. But there would be people who, kids who weren't my students that I got to know. In fact, there's one who became an Olympian in volleyball and I just happened to know her she was a cheerleader as a kid and, and like football players and 
I don't know, I just got to know her on recess duties, a great way to, to be with kids. And so you always had, you know, a connection with some of the other kids beside my own students. How did you apply your teaching experience to the students that were coming through the radio station? Because I taught at the elementary level, it probably, I guess, probably wasn't you know, at the same level. If I was a high school teacher, it really might have been a little different. But, you know, kids are kids. You know, some of these kids come into college, are only seven or 17 or 18 years old, you know, so... I, I never saw any difference of dealing with with uh, students at at my at my level or even at the college level. Now, since Doc does kind of get into trouble every now and then, did you ever have to put a stop at Doc from doing something too radical for the radio station? I don't think so. Um, there's some music of his I wish he wouldn't play. You know, there's <laughs> there's some of these um, goofy songs of wacky songs that he liked to play at Halloween or something, which are not my favorites, but I wouldn't tell him, but he knows, you know, because in fact, sometimes he'll say, okay, here comes one of the songs that mama doesn't like. Um, only once in, in my career there have I taken, it was a long time ago, I guess it was a 45 and it just, I had had it. I didn't want to hear it again. So I frisbeed it across the studio. Wham. <laughs> And uh, I don't know if it was broken at the time or not, but I did uh, get rid of Webb Pierce. I don't know. It just, it just felt good at the time. <laughs> but no, he's never, I've never seen him try to take a risk with, with the show or anything. He's, he's, never, <laughs> he's never been on my side. That's one place that scares him the most. If I have to leave for a few, two or three minutes, I'll say to him, you just press the CD player or the other CD player, and there's another song coming up. And when I walk back to the studio, he's standing there staring at the board, you know, like, don't do anything that I don't know what to do. So he's very comfortable on the other side with the microphone and the telephone. Are you happy that it stayed that way throughout these past 40 years? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to run like an hour, you know, have a special for an hour or something. No, I, I'm fine doing mine. I read. Um, sometimes I used to do some work, but a lot of times I catch up on the magazines that we get at home because uh, sometimes I just sort of forget and I get into an article and then I can remember that the music's going to stop and then I'm supposed to do something. But um, no, he's never, he's, he's been a good boy. As we wrap up here today, I, I have to laugh at that good boy mention because <laughs> I know he can be a troublemaker. He's not, he's not that much of a risk taker. Some people may think so. But I, I don't, especially I don't see it at the radio station. So as we wrap up here today with our interview with Mama Rock, what is something, whether or not it's a quality, an event, a happening, it could be anything or multiple things. What do you think is something that you think all college radio stations should apply to their own station based on your experiences? Well, community, definitely. I think you, you've got to broadcast off campus because I think you start pulling in from the community. We sometimes had a problem that people recognized us when you go out to dinner or something and they, not that that's bad, but you know, okay, you know, we're people here and we go out, it's like, it's like when a kid sees his teacher at the grocery store and they, they sort of go berserk, you know, they're not supposed to be there. And, um, but I really think the community is important. In fact, I think at Millersville, I think the town gown is really good. You know, we've always had no problems with the, the uh, 
borough here at Millersville. And I know that uh, the university gets along with the borough and the borough gets along with the university because I'm sure it could be tense because there's a lot of residents who complain about noise or complain about parking or whatever. But I think it's important to, to reach out to, to the community and also to, I know that we went Christmas caroling one time on campus with our banner that said WIXQ. You know, so I think, you know, it was good to reach out to students who some people don't even know there's a radio station on campus and they should know it, but they're an athlete and a lot of the radio station kids don't know where the Pusilla Hall is where they play basketball. And so I think, you know, as long as you're trying something new all the time and reaching out to others, that, that works well. Mama Rock, thank you very much for sitting down today and joining me on Scholastic Transmission of College Radio podcast. It was very interesting to get an outside perspective from someone who is very much still involved with the college radio station, but never was truly into it herself. And I appreciate getting the chance to gain some insight on some of the inner workings of Doc's mind as someone who was very close to him throughout these past 40, 45, 50, even over these past 60 years. Thank you for the invitation. Of course, we knew that we had to have you on. We made it priority to have you on because you helped us out so much in the early days of this podcast, especially with steering Doc in the right direction of understanding what a podcast even was because he had no idea what he was getting into with this. He still doesn't. I said, you've got to listen to some or, oh, I know what it is. (laughs) I'm ready for it. Okay. And he was. But you have always been so instrumental in helping not only Doc, but the students at the college radio station and even anybody who really comes across the rocks, the Antonins. And I truly do appreciate you sitting down today and, and being a part of Scholastic Transmission so people can understand what your influence has been on a college radio station throughout the past 40 years. Thank you. You are very welcome, Mama. So with that said, this wraps up today's edition of Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast. Be sure to come back next week as Doc returns behind the microphone as we get a chance to talk about a very important topic that is integral for all college radio stations. And it's one that we had briefly talked about with Josh Hankins when he was on episode nine of Scholastic Transmission, the importance of having a knowledgeable engineer at your radio station. Because so many students might just think, oh, I can just sit down behind the desk get my music rolling and broadcast out for everyone to hear me throughout the listening area or online, wherever your station is broadcasted. But it doesn't work that way. It truly does not work that way. There is so much that goes on behind the scenes, and it is incredibly important to have a knowledgeable engineer who knows what they are doing to help your radio station function, not only when the station is in session, But when you're on breaks and you're trying to make sure your station can function for when you return to the campus and you can get back on the air. So that's our topic for next week, and we look forward to coming back again for episode number 12 of Scholastic Transmission. In the meantime, you can follow Scholastic Transmission all across social media at College Radio Pod. And be sure to share the podcast with your friends, your family, and anybody that loves college radio. So for Mama Rock herself, Judy Antonin, I'm Shane Garcia. Thanks for listening to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast. Class is dismissed.